Welcome to the Analytics of Dynasty podcast. My name is Jordan McNamara, and I'll be your host. This podcast is focused on dynasty fantasy football strategy, particularly with a focus on analytics and data and driving more efficient, effective dynasty rosters, team building, and strategy. I'm the author of The Analytics of Dynasty, the ebook uh, about dynasty fantasy football strategy. In 2019, I released The Analytics of Dynasty. The first edition, which focused a lot on uh, an overview of dynasty strategy, focused on startup drafts, rookie drafts, types of players, types of strategies, different focuses on how to uh, how to play dynasty fantasy football, and it was towards a 100 level audience. Uh, first time dynasty players could use it, all the way through a 400 level audience where seasoned dynasty players and and long-term dynasty players could could use the book I, I, I'm releasing this podcast to announce the release of the analytics of dynasty 2020 edition this this edition's a little bit different takes some different focuses I think dynasty analytics of dynasty one the 2019 edition focused on broad concepts in dynasty fantasy football the 2020 edition that's going to be on sale starting January 25th. It's focused on some more topical uh, ideas. Uh, one of the one of the, the bigger parts of it, about a quarter of the book, is focused specifically on superflex and superflex strategy. Superflex is a newer uh, concept in dynasty and fantasy football in general. With the advent of the ability to play two quarterbacks, uh, superflex you have the option to play a second quarterback or two quarterback leagues where you must start two quarterbacks. Significantly changes the the dynasty strategy and dynasty landscape of player valuation, team valuation, team building. Uh, in the 2019 edition of the Analytics of Dynasty, I was unable to really look at it because there wasn't any historical data or enough sufficient historical data to really get any sample size of, of historical drafts or player value or anything of that sort. In the past year, I've been able to, uh, with the help of Rotoviz's ADP tool, been able to get at least some historical data it's not the greatest it's not the deepest it's not the longest track record but with a newer strategy with a newer team concept a newer format there's less data to uh, accumulate there's less data to look at so we have to make some educated uh, guesses and some look at the data that we have make some educated guesses about it and draw some inferences from it when we can uh, and there's some really good strategy that can come from that. Um, specifically, the data was able to show positional value, uh, where quarterbacks go in drafts, and what they do in regards to other positions at those points of the drafts. One of the common concepts in Start One fantasy football is coined by J.J. Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback strategy. It's a little bit different in Dynasty, um, and there's some data to suggest that 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 certainly isn't the case in dynasty fantasy football, um, but maybe it, maybe there's a, a ability there to exploit some of the strategies that JJ uh, popularized to take that over to dynasty. Um, there's also some data, historical data about positional pacing, how fast quarterbacks go off, and startup drafts that changes each year. Uh, it was pretty clear from the data it changes each year with the difference in the strength of the quarterback position in general, the quarterback position 
relative parts of it, the top and the bottom, for example, how dense it is in the middle or where the strengths in the quarterback position lie. It changes each year. Uh, in addition, it fluctuates significantly based on what the other positions are, right? One, in one season, it might be better to have the quarterback two and the running back 25 in comparison to the running back 25 and the in comparison to having the running back two and quarterback 25 in a different season. So those types of things uh, are, are apparent in the book and it's there's clear strategies that can come from where you target quarterback and super flex drafts. They also have a good metric, uh, a good study and good metrics on the use of draft pedigree and evaluating quarterback. Uh, there's significant data in the book uh, and in which to evaluate quarterbacks based on draft pedigree. It is a significant factor in a quarterback's success. And I also found a common benchmark that long-term quarterbacks have and uh, long-term starting quarterbacks have relatively early in their career that you can t- be able to identify target quarterbacks as well as clear avoid players uh, and how to not make big mistakes at the quarterback position like was made with Baker Mayfield coming into 2019 where he went as high as quarterback two in some startup drafts and later in the offseason. Avoiding those types of mistakes, there's there's clear and easy roadmaps to avoid those types of mistakes and make more higher probability bets at the quarterback position. Those are all contained in the Superflex chapter. In addition, I went and looked at a lot of uh, a chapter that I, I talk a lot about base rates. And one of the questions I had the most from readers and subscribers of the Analytics of Dynasty in 2019 was, what do we know about players? <clears throat> if What can we deduce about players? What can we think about a player's value if we know that they haven't broken out by year two or year three, for example? Uh, and what does that mean for their likelihoods of hitting in a future draft? Well, one of the things that I really focused on was average hit rates and how different types of players hit in general uh, in the 2019 version of the Analytics of Dynasty. I looked at a lot of averages. In the 2020 edition, I went ahead and I looked at it a little bit differently. And I looked at a lot of different pacing in terms of how players, what it says about a player if they don't produce a top starter season, right? A top 12 season for a quarterback or a tight end um, through a certain amount of time, whether it's a season, two seasons, three seasons, looking at those things in terms of what that means for their ultimate likelihoods of hitting. What does it mean when a, when a first round wide receiver misses through three seasons? Uh, What's their likelihood of making uh, a top 24 season after missing the first three seasons? compare that to different types of wide receivers and there's some actually counterintuitive findings in the chapter some things i never expected to find in the data that actually are very counterintuitive in terms of how pedigree actually affects a player's breakout later in their career Um, different positions factor differently Uh, different uh, quarterbacks are significantly different than running backs and significantly different than wide receivers and tight ends they all factor a little bit differently and understanding how each of those players, the hit rate on those types of players, and what uh, not hitting early in their career means to them is a great way to identify uh, opportunities in startup drafts and rookie drafts. Because if a player hasn't hit, the, the market might devalue them to a point where they should never devalue them. Um, 
and they become a, a really good bargain. Or you can get players that really rise up the ranks and haven't done anything yet. And those are clear avoid players. But knowing the data and knowing what the base rate is of that type of player, understanding what the odds are that that player actually hits is a great source of value to, to be able and a great lens to look through a player's uh, fundamentals about what type of value they might be. In addition, I wanted to look at the density of players. And the density of players is basically once a player hits, how, how dense is their hit, right? Are they a one-hit wonder? Are they uh, a career 10-season uh, top 12 performer at the quarterback position, right? What's, where do quarterbacks fall or where do running backs fall or receivers, tight ends? Where do they fall on the density spectrum of once they hit, how often do they hit again? And there's a lot of good findings that you can find from different positions and different uh, rounds in the draft. They act significantly differently. And that's a, a really, really good thing to know, especially in this time of the season when you are uh, just off the season, right? just out of the season, the data is fresh in everyone's mind about how player X finished the season as a starter and what that means about them long-term. So guys like Philip Lindsay are great examples of this. You can look at their at, at the density of a hit for a guy that was an undrafted free agent at running back and really think about, well, what does two hits this early in his career, what more can we expect from that player? What does history tell us? And it's a really good lens to focus looking at through a player and, and be able to make good long-term decisions uh, with the basis of history and data to really help you guide that decision-making process. It helps you identify outliers, um, and it helps you deal with outliers as well. A guy like Kenny Galladay was a good example of this. If I had just looked at the Analytics of Dynasty 2019 edition, I would have been pretty skeptical about Kenny Galladay's hit rate. He was a third round, a late third-round rookie pick, or uh, late third-round pick in the NFL draft, and that has a, a pretty low hit rate, right? You're expecting less than a quarter of those players to produce a top 24 season. Well, then he hits, um, and right, the average of, of those players is less than, it's less than a top 24 season for the round, and so he hits, and he's already surpassed average. Well, that didn't, that that tells you he's better than what you would expected him, but that puts him in a whole different stratosphere. It puts him in a whole different area of which to really think about how a player's production is going to be. And once a player's hit, they act different, right? You should value them differently. And uh, for a lot of reasons that are explored through the book, they act differently and are treated differently by the market, uh, by teams, and uh, we should treat them differently. So uh, there's a lot of that analysis in there, talking about the density of player hits, looking at how to avoid one-hit wonders. In addition, I have a chapter that focuses a lot on uh, randomness and some of the random things that happen in Dynasty that we can really exploit. Uh, one of the things that I found a lot of value in was simulating teams in simulating startup drafts in particular. And I looked a lot about how different roster constructions, um, just if you just randomly chose uh, a certain set of uh, positions. Um, and I specifically looked at running backs and wide receivers. What And every time you increase the running back at the expense of a wide receiver. So on a 20-man roster, if you took two tight ends and two quarterbacks, 
to basically fill four spots. You would have 16 remaining spots. And I have fluctuated some of the uh, the positions in there between running backs and wide receivers, and I did a set of simulations that basically looked at uh, a combination of 16 running backs and, t- and wide receivers, uh, as little as four running backs, all the way up to 12 wide receivers, and then on the one on the one perspective on the one hand and on the other hand 12 running backs and four wide receivers and it's just some really interesting things to your likelihoods of winning games um and some different team constructs um, as well as using warp or wins over replacement and a warp to really and adjusted wins over replacement which incorporates a player's wins over replacement and how much he was actually started in games using those uh those two metrics can really draw out value in players and and teams in particular with the way that they're built so that's a a big concept is in addition i found some value in uh, rookie drafts and the way rookie draft picks are are treated by the market there's some polling data that i incorporated into the book that i did on twitter looking at how teams or how owners that are on Twitter really think about player values or think about pick values or think about their, how their odds might move. And we're able to test that against some data. Um, it, some great uh, areas are the, the value of a random future first round pick um, and what, uh, what trading for picks are in startup drafts are actually worth to increasing your odds to win. And I'm not going to give away the, the ending of the book, but there's some surprises in the data to that. I was coming into this with a pretty pessimistic view on the ability to, to really change your odds coming into a startup season. Uh, you know, tr- what I am typically a person that accumulates rookie picks and startup drafts um, because I, I I just think that's the better value to go. And even I was surprised at the lack of success with teams that actually traded. Uh, future rookie picks. So uh, that's a good that's a good part of the chapter, and I think a really a really fundamental piece of dynasty fantasy football strategy. The book is going to be on sale uh, starting January first at analyticsofdynasty.com/shop. You can pre-order the book thirty dollars uh, at analyticsdynasty.com/shop. Uh, the book will be on sale and ready for download on January twenty fifth. So that is the Saturday of the weekend of the AFC and NFC Championship games. You'll be able to get the book. Uh, you, If you've pre-ordered, you'll get the book delivered to your inbox on that date. If you um, want to wait until order it until it's actually uh, available, you can order it on January 25th and it'll be available for immediate download. Uh, in the meantime, the Analytics of Dynasty, the 1.0 version of the 2019 version that I spoke about, are still on sale uh, at analyticsofdynasty.com slash shop. If you are looking for uh, some tune-up data or some basically a, a, a primer going into your startup drafts or looking for, hey, let's uh, this is a good time in the offseason to – there's not a ton happening, right? There's a lot of – rookie draft analysis and, and NFL draft analysis coming out because the NFL draft is now going to be the major topic of, of dynasty uh, focus. 
not a ton is happening that's really moving the value. So let's take a deep look. Let's look at building some more efficient rosters. Let's look at some of the ideas that we should be thinking about and what really matters come rookie draft time. I'm um, thinking about how to hit more, how to be more effective. All of that's in the analytics of Dynasty, the 1.0 version. So if you haven't purchased that book, I'm putting it on sale for $20. Uh, from now until uh, January 25th when the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition goes on sale. So you can get Analytics of Dynasty 1, $20 at analyticsdynasty.com slash shop. From now until January 25th. So this podcast is going to be more than just uh, promoting the book. Uh, and I want to talk weekly about different types of topics. It's going to be focused a little bit different uh, than a traditional podcast. I'm not going to probably do a ton of trade discussions or or anything like that. I want to look at some global player ideas and some global topics to uh, focus your lens more specifically on, on things that can create value for you in your and your upcoming trades or your upcoming drafts or your upcoming um, dispersal drafts or rookie drafts, what have you. Uh, so one of the things I think is important to look at this time of the season is actually players that uh, are storylines to watch, okay? And and one of the things th- that is really important this time of year, especially if you're getting into early startup drafts, is as free agency. And in particular at the quarterback position, and we'll talk in, in future episodes about, about the other positions, but the quarterback position in and of itself this year, uh, because of a couple of different things, is really important uh, to focus on a free agency. Um, there are six of the 32 teams in the NFL have their quarterbacks, uh, their starting quarterbacks, entering free agency this year. And there's some really good ones. <laughs> there's there's some really good ones, and there's some quarterbacks that have some question marks. Uh, Hall of Fame level good quarterbacks, and I'm not sure as we sit here in early in late December and early January, I'm not sure if the market's exactly caught up to some of these things yet in terms of what what the implications could be. Uh, but there's some there's some changes that could be coming, and I'm not going to say that all these players are going to end up on different teams. But there's certainly a possibility that some of them do, um, and there's a likelihood that some of them do. So, in the, the you can basically break these these quarterbacks down into a couple of categories. I think in the the category of established, long term starters in the NFL, there's essentially four quarterbacks, and you would probably add the the char- the added factor of they're older, they're aging quarterbacks. Uh, and they're in a group. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, and, and Eli Manning. Of course, Eli's not a starter at this point. He's been benched in favor of Daniel Jones. But he does enter free agency in 2020 with the ability to uh, potentially act as a bridge quarterback. He's essentially, in terms of uh, dynasty, DLF or Dynasty League football ADP at the quarterback position, he's without an ADP. Now that's start one quarterback ADP. If there was super flex, I'm sure it'd go a little bit deeper and he would probably be outside the, uh, he would certainly be outside the 30s based on some where the other quarterbacks went. 
So he's probably in the lower tier of these quarterbacks. But Breeze, Brady, and Rivers all deserve discussion. Drew Breeze um, is a unrestricted free agent. There's voids in his contract that go into effect to basically make him an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Um, he's aging. And there's a question of is he still is he going to continue to play? They have a team that could potentially win the Super Bowl. Uh, is this a scenario where he could win the Super Bowl and potentially go out on top? He will be 41 at the time the Super Bowl is played. Uh, is this a scenario where he could ride out on top? I'm not sure, but this is definitely something to keep in mind and consider based on his age and his contract status. Tom Brady is also in a similar boat. He's entering the 2020 offseason uh, as a free agent. He cannot be tagged uh, pursuant to clause in his contract, so he will be a free agent. Uh, and a similar boat, does he want to play? The thought is that he has wanted to never stop playing, uh, but he's a quarterback coming off of the worst year of his career uh, in almost two decades. Uh, and if you look at just simply yards per attempt, his uh, this 2019 season, 6.6 yards per attempt, ranks second lowest outside of his 2002 season. Uh, there, that's a uh, that's a pretty low that's a pretty low number. Uh, is there some other things related to that that? that are driving forces of it, yes. Uh, weak offensive line play, sure. Lack of weapons, uh, sure. Did they trade away Josh Gordon? Yes. I mean, maybe they knew something that, that we didn't know uh, based on his his subsequent suspension, but uh, they, they don't have the weapons that they've had. Is that a factor? Sure it is. Uh, but... 6.6 yards per attempt amongst the lowest of his career, second lowest of his career. Uh, and the his touchdown rate's also way down. So his touchdown rate is the lowest of his career. Now there's some variance in that number. Um, and there's those numbers tend to fluctuate from year to year. But that that if you're looking at a negative perspective on him, that's certainly uh, two places to start. Some of the advanced numbers as well, like net adjusted, uh, yards per attempt and those sorts of stats also paint a, a, an unfavorable perspective of, of him. Notably, his his interception rate hasn't gone up, uh, so it's 1.2. It's well below his career average uh, and amongst one of the better uh, seasons in his career in terms of that statistic. So it has just been not a particularly eventful season almost to some degree uh, and it's something that we expect uh, better from than Brady uh, is this a sign of decline uh, I'm not sure uh, I, I still think at this point in his career he's one of the th 32 players uh, capable of, of being a starting quarterback in the NFL um, there's not 32 of them at any given time but teams are required to start a quarterback so he certainly would would project to if he doesn't land up back in New England and there's been much written about that uh, he certainly projects to be of interest to potential contenders and and elsewhere so that's definitely a story to watch as well I'm not sure what the what the solution would be for the Patriots at quarterback is it Jarrett Stidham do they draft someone one of these other guys um, 
Uh, we're not sure, but that's definitely something to keep in mind uh, entering the offseason. This Brady status, Rip, Phil Rivers as well as an unrestricted free agent. Um, and just to give you an idea, uh, Breeze is quarterback 20 in ADP, Brady's 27, Rivers is 32. Um, Rivers is on the same track as it's coming off a down year. A lot of it is touchdown variance with Rivers. Uh, he's had a down year in terms of in terms of just producing touchdowns uh, where – and again, guys like Mike Williams and his team have been have just been down in terms of touchdown variance in general. They've just been sort of afflicted by this as a team. I'm not necessarily sure it's it's Rivers is any different of a player than he's been before, but it's certainly similar to Brady. It, the number is down, um, and that number fluctuates from year to year. But the number is down. Three point nine percent of his attempts have gone for touchdowns. That's a, the lowest of his career. Uh, the His interception rate is up as well. Uh, he's throwing 18 interceptions. It's one of the highest seasons in his career. So, uh, and he's got eight yards per attempt. So that's actually above his career average. So above his career average in yards per attempt, but bad in touchdown rate and interception rate. Those things are fluky from year to year. So I'd be looking to more advanced metrics and we'll see. If you know what teams think of some of the advanced metrics in terms of um, his throwing velocity and those sorts of things, or, or whatever else they're measuring in terms of any decline, probably data that we don't have access to, uh, we'll see how the market treats him. I still think he's probably starting quarterback, he's going to be 39 next year, um, and is has the fire to play. So uh, we'll see about what where he ends up, but that is a potential moving spot. And Tyrod Taylor is, is there uh, in, in Los Angeles now under, under contract and is a potential bridge quarterback if they decide to go somewhere in the draft. So I think Phil Rivers probably lands on his feet someplace, whether it's back in L.A. or not is, is a critical question. Two quarterbacks that are not technically free agents at this particular moment, but could end up on free agent in free agency that I would characterize as starters uh, that have been starters in the NFL uh, that aren't currently starters in the NFL are Cam Newton and Andy Dalton. Cam Newton missed most of this season with an injury. Uh, he's been he had a, a disappointing year. Uh, because of the injury uh, and played early in the season and then and just couldn't really recover from, from his injuries. So projects to be healthy in the offseason and is quarterback 14 in ADP. That's reasonable in terms of his historical successes and what he's done at the position. It'll be interesting to see what the market is on him. He's a... a his limitations as a passer have been much discussed. He's aging. Is he still a running threat? You know, all of those things, I think with a lot of these quarterbacks that we're talking about, what, what are the physical, what are their physical limitations? None of these guys are really maybe except for breeze or 
couple of the other guys we'll talk about later, but none of the guys we've talked about to this point are entering on, on high trajectories in terms of their physical uh, performances this season. So uh, a lot of these similar trends are, are apparent in the quarterback position. Um, Andy Dalton as well, established NFL starter. You can bang on his upside a little bit, um, but also fits really well into some of the metrics that we identified in the analytics of Dynasty. Uh, the 2020 edition fit really, really well into how quarterbacks progressed during their career um, and, and why he was a long-term fantasy star, a long-term starter in the NFL shouldn't have shocked anyone based on his early production. Um, he is uh, owed no, uh, he has no dead money. So he's can be a clean cap cut in the off season. I expect that to happen. They did bench him for Ryan Finley coming into the season or uh, during the season. Um, and he played a little bit down the stretch, but I expect him to be a, a cut candidate to their, have the number one pick in the draft and them to address the quarterback position there. And Dalton had for other pastures in 20, 20 is he a potential Ryan Tannehill situation where he comes in where the an unestablished starter Chicago just screams of this to me in terms of one of these guys landing in Chicago uh and and because of Mitchell Trubisky uh is poor play I mean is Dalton the guy that could push a guy like Trubisky um, I think someone in this vein can definitely end up there and there's some there's some pieces there to work with with the Chicago offense and with that defense amongst the best in the NFC, especially in your and points allowed this season, that could turn one of these one of these quarterbacks could turn them into a Super Bowl contender. So uh, Dalton is one of those guys that I'm I'm looking to land someplace maybe in a Tannehill plus type situation or a Case Keenum situation in Washington, uh, where I think he could certainly be a bridge quarterback and he might even be open to something more. Uh, We'll, we'll see. I, I doubt that any team's going to come in with a multi-year guarantee at this point, but uh, he could he play up to earning that? Um, Tannehill showed us that's possible, so crazier things have happened. Um, the third category of quarterbacks is really guys that have played uh, that are somewhat questions in terms of their, their long-term status in the NFL in terms of starters. They're on the younger end um, and coming off bigger years. Tannehill, uh, Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, has taken over. He's led the NFL in uh, completion percentage over expectation and has been a revelation. Uh, he is one of these guys that have – it's a, a discouraging trend if you're a Jets fan that all of these players that leave Adam Gase in Miami have now become stars elsewhere with him and um, Kenyon Drake and then Gase leaves – Miami and Devontae Parker finally breaks out. So Tannehill's uh, avoided the curse of Adam Gase uh, and at a perfect time when he's becoming an unrestricted free agent and looking to get paid. Is he... Uh, we'll see what, what the, the market brings for him uh, in, terms of, in terms of his projection. Spotrack.com has uh, a, a feature calculating... Players based on some comparable players project him to be worth three years and seventy six point eight million dollars, averaging out at about twenty five point six million dollars a year in terms of contracts. So, the some of the metrics really like him at, going into the season as a guy that should get paid. Uh, starter, 
who has a track record and played with out played in I would say a bad system and under some bad circumstances with uh, with injuries and he partially tore his ACL and doesn't have surgery and then goes and actually uh, has a has a terror and has to have surgery basically misses two years of his career um, in a system that wasn't necessarily great and Miami was largely dysfunctional for that period of time uh, this is a good bounce back is it is it something that we should expect long term for him probably not and this is probably a high high end of his variance type of performance but Miami uh, Tennessee is a type of team that can compete and has the ability to and we've seen it this year has the ability with some competent quarterback play to be to do some damage uh, this is uh, certainly a scenario where I c- you could expect him to be back in Tennessee um, and they're uh, in purgatory to some degree because they, they're not going to have a high enough draft. They're a good enough team where they're not going to have a high enough draft pick to land a quarterback early in the draft. So I uh, expect them to move on from Tana- from Mariota and Tannehill could be back. Uh, Mariota is also a free agent, so you can add him to the list of players that maybe see him as a second chance reclamation type project. He is um, would fit into the type of player that might become a longer term backup in the NFL. If that's what he so chooses, you see a lot of these guys that flame out as starters, but sort of bounce around Blaine Gabbert uh, rings a bell in terms of high pedigree guy flamed out as a starter, continuously getting opportunities as a backup quarterback. Blake Bortles and Tannehill himself would also be good comparisons uh, of players in that type of model. So uh, look for Mariota to potentially bounce back and be a a Blake Bortles type backup to a team that needs, uh, sees a a contending window and needs someone that they think is competent, maybe not hugely upside uh, to be a backup in case something goes wrong with their starter. Uh, in addition, I think two of the more interesting quarterbacks also fit in this uh, range of quarterbacks who are on uh, some of the upswing of their career but are, are going to be interesting value propositions. Jameis Winston and Dak Prescott. From a from a fantasy perspective, Prescott's been terrific with four seasons in the top 12 of the position, including two top six finishes throughout his first four years in the NFL. Those are really, really big-time numbers. And uh, the question is, is what's Dallas going to do? Um, the franchise tag is certainly an option. Uh, they have multiple different avenues that they need to address. They need to address Amari Cooper. Uh, they spent a first-round pick on him less than a year ago, and he is not under contract either. So if they're going to use the tag on one of them, they – have to use I have to get the other one under contract Dak seems like the priority investment based on everything that he's done in his career to this point uh, as good as Cooper is it's tougher to find a replacement at quarterback so ex- I would expect them to try and get a deal done with Dak there was some rumors at the you know earlier in the season that they were closer to a deal uh, where Dak was expressing that he wanted 40 million I mean uh, we don't know how realistic that actually was or how close they actually were to a deal, but there's, he is in the driver's seat in terms of getting a deal because if he doesn't get signed with Dallas, he's going to get paid someplace else. So I fully expect him back in Dallas. 
but they're in an interesting cap spot right now because Prescott and Cooper have leverage over them. A couple other scenarios that I'm watching a little bit bigger. <clears throat> Teddy Bridgewater has uh, two voidable years at the end of his contract, so could land in free agency this year. Was competent um, when he played for Breeze this year. Uh, is it high upside? Probably not, but he is was a competent player and um, didn't hurt Michael Thomas's value much at all. So uh, he he screams of a type of player that could be a, a bridge option or a lower end option, if uh, lower end starter option if he gets the opportunity to be a starter at some point. Um, but there's worse situations to have than be the New Orleans starter. So he's certainly one to monitor in terms of what happens with Breeze, and he's has some. Uh, he has the potential to actually hit free agency. Bridgewater does this year. Um, one contract that I'm looking at really with an eye towards 2021, and I think that might get addressed. I haven't seen it talked about a lot, but I'm, I'm keeping an eye open. I'm going to set up a Google Finder, Google News Alert Finder for it. It's Kirk Cousins. Uh, he's a free agent in 2021. He signed a, that three-year, essentially fully guaranteed contract with Minnesota. Uh, in uh, a couple years ago, and he is uh, one year away from being a free agent. Doesn't seem like it's been a long time, but it's been a couple years, and um, now it's coming back around. Is he going to? I wrote about Cousins a little bit in the Atlantic Dynasty to the this 2020 edition that's coming out in January uh, because he's a really, really interesting case of draft pedigree. Um, but he, he has now become a, uh, a full-fledged starter. He's been a pretty good one from fantasy in terms of his track record of, of top 12 seasons is, is really long and is a, a uh, consistently a good fantasy option if you're looking to stream the position or or looking for stable options that maybe don't necessarily have a ton of upside. He's certainly in that category. Uh, and if you're building a startup draft, he's the type of player that's it's really good to have in a draft plan because he continuously is underpriced what he actually performs on the field. Uh, however, if he's going to be a free agent, I'm not sure how the market's going to react to a player that has been as is high variance, you know, and has has failed on the big spotlights as much as he has uh, through his career. Is that fair? I'm not sure. Uh, in terms of of all the things that he's gone through, is it is it a fair criticism or is it a fair that he fails in big spotlights? Is that a fair moniker? I'm not sure, but that's a, a realistic evaluation of where he's been, uh, of the narrative on him at this point in his career. So, uh, he's a player that I'm looking. You know, I've seen some Minnesota beat writers have the uh, begin discussions about mailbags and those sorts of things that they think a deal is going to get done. If a deal gets done, that's a really good sign for him because that offense is pretty good with some good weapons on it and digs. And if Thielen can come back healthy, but developing tight end and Irv Smith and Dalvin Cook and that they've got a good thing going there, albeit maybe some lower some lower passing volume than we would like, but Cousins really represents a safe profile from Dynasty outside of, and Superflex draft in particular, outside of his uh, his contract uncertainty going into the 2021 offseason. So that'll put a wrap on the free agent discussion at the quarterback position. A lot of these things are things to monitor. Uh, do all these players change teams? Probably not. But there's some 
potential moving pieces and some landmines for established starters if that happens. So that's an important thing to watch over the next three to four months as, as free agency gets underway and then uh, rookie draft discussions begin. It's important to keep an eye on these scenarios and all the moving pieces uh, as well as the, the receivers, tight ends, and running backs that depend on these quarterbacks. Um, so uh, it, so just a reminder, you can get the Analytics of Dynasty, the 2020 edition, at analyticsofdynasty.com slash shop starting January 1st. It'll be out uh, for consumption January 25th. And if you haven't already read the Analytics of Dynasty, the 2019 edition, you can find that at analyticsofdynasty.com slash shop. And I'll be running a $20 sale from now until the release of, until January 25th, the release of the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition. So uh, again, this is Jordan McNamara, your host. And until next time, we'll see you soon.